Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't, today is Tuesday, September the 4th, 2012. This is episode 973 of the Survival Podcast, and uh, I got a special one for you today. I worked this guy in. Uh, I got Gregory Manorino standing by on the line. I'm going to bring him in. I played a video clip from him last week when I talked about a lot of things to do with the financial sector and the fact that QE3 is already happening in stealth mode. Um, when I looked at what this guy is doing and what he's done, I realized that we, I was, you know, I, I'd found somebody that knew what the hell he was talking about. And he has a pretty similar view of what's coming to me. And I worked him in early to get him in on the show. This week, uh, because I thought you needed to hear what he had to say. And I'll tell you right now, it's not good stuff. It's going to be kind of a stark uh, financial reality, though I don't know how much of it's going to be new because you've heard it from me. But I think hearing it from somebody else might make it a little bit more of a fire under your ass and a little bit more real for you. And uh, that's why I'm bringing them on. Before I do that, though, let's go ahead and knock out our housekeeping and uh, take care of our sponsors. Sponsor of the day number one today, Western Botanicals. You know, I really believe that most of the things that we uh, deal with in modern society with modern medicine can be dealt with with good diet, good exercise, good mental state, and then we can support those systems with the use of herbal uh, supplements and, and, and other nutrients and things like that. And I've tried to live my life that way. I spend a lot of my uh, my mornings now drinking herbal teas rather than coffee and uh, maybe have a few cups in the morning at the house. But when I get here to the office, I switch over to that. It's much more of tonifying. And I try to, you know, when it, you know I was recently up in uh, Vermont and I walked out of Ben's beautiful studio and immediately was stung in the calf by a wasp. And uh, pretty got me pretty good. And it started to swell up right away. And I immediately grabbed a few plantain leaves. Uh, plantain is how I say it. Some people say plantain. To me, a plantain is a green banana. Uh, and I mashed up the leaves into like a, a, a kind of a gooey mess, and then I rubbed it on that uh, that bite and pushed it up against the uh, bite and then put the sock up over it. And guess what? Ten minutes later, I took it off. No swelling, no nothing. Gone. Like it like it was, no, it never happened. And uh, you know, I've been stung by a wasp before, and I'm not allergic or anything, but generally there's swelling and pain and things like that for quite a while. But plantain knocked it right out. That's the power of herbs and just having that knowledge. But the knowledge only works with what you have available. And what I found is that if I want something, I can get it at Western Botanicals. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter how exotic it is or how mundane it is. But if it's not in my backyard and I want it, they have it. It's either organically grown or wild crafted, so I know I'm not getting any kind of nastiness in there that I don't want in there in the first place. And if I don't know what I need, I call them and they say, this is what you need and here we'll send it to you. Uh, that is why I believe Western Botanicals is, you know, become my go-to source for everything herbal, and that's why I think you should use them too. WesternBotanicals.com. Best way to find them, of course, though, click on their banner in the right-hand margin. Next up today, KnifeKits.com. Totally different subject, right? Making knives. But, you know, making knives is something I think a lot of people would like to do. I think a lot of people would like to have something custom that's theirs, that there's not another one just like it somewhere else. And that can be as simple as the handle material, the bolsters, and things like that. But they're intimidated by it. They can't afford, you know, paying somebody to build them a custom knife. They're not in that state. But they'd like that custom, you know, look. Or they'd like the skill of building a knife. 
Or there's people out there that are custom knife builders that want exotic materials, Damascus, Damascus steel, you know, special horns and, and different materials for handles. Whatever it is, you can find it at Knife Kits. From the novice beginner to the seasoned master bladesmith, you'll find what you need at KnifeKits.com. Check them out today. Again, best way to check them out is by using their banner in the right-hand margin. Please remember both Western Botanicals and KnifeKits.com do support the member support brigade. The Western Botanical benefit alone pays for your entire first year as a member. So before you do business with them, check them out on the benefits page of the members uh, the members area uh, for your member support brigade if you are MSB. Next up, remember, check out TSP Copper, cool copper coins, all I'm going to say about that today. I uh, also want to remind you, Hickory, North Carolina, please come see me if you can. I will be at the Self-Reliance Expo there. Uh, we're finalizing the meet and greet uh, information for you guys uh, right now. Who's going to be there? I've got a big name. I'm asking Ron and Scott to see if they can get to show up. I can't say who it is because he may say no, and then I don't want it to be like, oh, he didn't come. you know. And it may just be a scheduling issue or whatever. But I did want to tell you who's going to be there. Keith Snow, Chef Keith Snow will be there. And Xavier Hawk, you guys may remember him. He is the uh, the guy that set up Colony Earth. I've had him on the uh, the show before. He's out there in the Carolinas. He also has another website called thenighthawks.com. Very switched on guy, member of his CERT team. Uh, he's put together a rescue and research site. That's that's the Nighthawks. And a homestead that they're you know doing amazing things with, and he's also a well-known member of our forum, and he's on the uh, the Zello network a lot as well. So those two people will be there. I'm still waiting to hear yes or no from uh, Tim Glantz from Old Grouch Military Surplus. He will be there Friday, kind of walking around and all, but he's got to go down to Atlanta on Saturday. So I don't know if he's going to be able to make the early meet and greet or not. I'll talk to him today. And uh, I have a feeling we might either have uh, Bones or Amy or both, Doc Bones and Nurse Amy. One of the two or both will probably be, but they'll definitely be at the event from what I know. So uh, you get to meet them whether they're at the meet and greet or not. That'll be 8.30 in the morning. The doors open at 9 o'clock for everybody else. Uh, we will be putting up a Facebook page this week so you can register to attend, but it's not really necessary. It just gives us an idea of the headcount. And uh, there'll basically be a place for you guys to go, show up early. There'll be a sign. And then at 8.30, uh, either Ron or Scott will escort you guys in early as the VIPs that you are. I try to set things like, like that for my uh, folks whenever I can because you guys deserve it. Last but not least, consider joining the Member Support Brigade. If you do that, you support this show. At about 20 cents an episode, military, law enforcement, Peace Corps, and first responders, active duty or prior service, email me, jack at the survivalpodcast.com. Put service discount in the subject line. Tell me who you are and what you're doing or who you are and what you did if you're prior service, and I will send you a special discount code before you join to thank you for your service. And with that all wrapped up, I want to get started today. Uh, and again, my special guest is Gregory Manorino. Uh, and I have played him on the air before, and I'm not even going to tell you much about him because that's going to be my first question to him, a little bit of, you know, about his background. What I'll tell you is that I've, I've talked to a lot of people in the financial industry, uh, one way or another, uh, you know, and one of my good friends, Mike Gazer, I think is one of the most switched on people that I've ever, ever met in, in the finance industry. And I think Greg is just as switched on coming from a little bit different perspective. And I think he's, he's taken the eventuality a little bit further than Mike has. And I think that you need to hear what he has to say. And with that, hey, Greg, welcome to the Survival Podcast, man. I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much. Hey, um, I just played one of your videos on the air. It was a big hit with the audience. I think that's how we ended up in contact with each other. I think one of the audience people uh, put us in touch. 
before we get into some of the stuff that we're you know kind of lined up to talk about today, can you just tell people a little bit about your background? You know how you know what you know. Sure. I started out in this a long time ago, back in the early 90s. I started working as an analyst. Um, was starting to learn how to, let's say, <laughs> analyze stocks and bonds and how the, the markets work. And I ended up taking a job at Bear Stearns uh, as an analyst. It, it paid garbage. and um, But, you know, it, it got my foot in the door. And then I decided, hey, you know, I want to, I want to be a trader. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, that didn't turn out to be too fun, honestly. It's a, it, it, it's a uh, part of the business, I think, where it looks glamorous, but it's it's anything but glamorous. My my main thing is in this is, is is an analyst. I I like to sit back, look at the entire picture of what's going on in the markets in the world, and and kind of like put it all together like a puzzle, and say, okay, this is what's going on now. What are the most likely outcomes? And quite frankly, I have a, my, my track record is really, really good. And it's because I work hard at it. I mean, you work hard at anything in life, you become good at it. And it's my passion now. Um, I decided to leave finance and, and go to medical school. I, I have a medical degree. I'm a PA. And uh, I, I practice that. Uh, but, uh, you know, my passion now, because of what's going on in the world and the fact that I feel like people need to know, need to know what is going on in order to protect themselves. Uh, because, you know, as, as both you and I know, I'm sure a lot of your audience will agree that the world is not on the right path. As a matter of fact, we're on a path to, to, to absolute destruction. We're watching the death, literal death, of the debt-based economic model based around a fiat or a fake monetary system. And, and there's a, going to be a move, and it is happening right now, a move to a new monetary system. I, I sincerely believe it. I think I've been talking about this maybe before a lot of the people uh, that, that a gold-backed currency or a commodity-backed currency is, was in the works. It's in the works right now. And I, I'm, I'm certain that as we move forward, we are going to see currency weighted with gold. Why gold? Because gold is the most stable asset the world has ever known. And because the people that are doing this and making this mess in the first place have tons and tons of tons of it, and I, I, I'd like to kind of get your perspective on this because I've been saying this for years. Like, there's a whole school of thought out there that that would be the solution is we're going to go back to a gold standard. And I, I don't necessarily disagree that having a gold-backed currency is a bad thing or a good thing. You know, we can debate that later. But my point is when they make the shift, all these people that think it's going to be great for them, you're not going to win in this. The, the, the game is rigged from the onset. Like, the people lost when we went away from it. And they're going to lose when we go back. What say you? Well, I, I think to a certain degree you're right. I think the the issue is now that, well, this it, it's a huge issue. But I think at the most basic level, people need to realize the main thing here is that currency is dying. And if you're stuck holding this paper as this transition comes about, you're going to get slaughtered. What are they going to do? People are holding all, all, all this now almost worthless pay, and then they're going to move to a new monetary system. And then what are they going to do? Give you 10 to 1, 15 to 1 in, in, in their favor for this new, this new currency? I mean, there's all issues as well with trade and all kinds of things. Here is, here is the issue, and, and I don't think people realize this for the, by and large, is no matter what path that we follow going forward here, 
lead to major financial and economic agony, not just pain. If, if for example, if that's that's the truth, I mean, it's either going to, it's like a runaway, is either going to come down to a relatively slowly, which I do not believe is going to happen, because they're going to run it into the wall. And then, I mean, they're going to do the same thing that they have always done throughout history. They're going to run this train into the wall, and then they're going to offer a solution. They literally create the problem, see what the reaction is. I mean, it's the same scenario. And then they offer us a solution. The new solution is this, everyone. We're going to issue new currency. Now, you come to us with, you know, $10,000 of your old currency, and we're going to give you a hundred of this new one. Uh, isn't this great? Now you can start your life. <laughs> yeah, see, I think they, I think that they'll do it a little bit differently. I, I think they'll say, "Give us the ten thousand, and we'll give you ten thousand. It's just the ten thousand will buy what a hundred was, and they'll, they'll trick people initially with zeros." Oh, yeah, yeah, that's just like Franklin did with the, you know, with the, uh, with the, with the gold standard, where they, they bought the, the they bought the gold at, at the market price, and then let it float up almost, almost a hundred percent over where it was. So the, I think they'll trick you, but I think you're dead on about the value of what you're going to get. Oh, yeah. I, it, it's definitely going to play out somewhere like that. But I'll tell you what scares me the most in this whole scenario. you got poor people out there. I don't mean poor financially. I just mean they don't – maybe just don't get it poor. Sure. Knowledge base. But what they're doing – and and I believe it's set up right now, and I, we'll talk about this, is – People, well, we already understand what happened with the whole issue with Sentinel Bank and uh, Sentinel Management and New York Bank Mellon with the segregated funds and the global. So look what's being set up here. I believe that people who are holding IRAs, 401ks, some type of retirement plan, whatever, how, how they have it structured, are going to, <laughs> I think they're going to get slaughtered in, in the same manner. These institutions are either going to confiscate them or what's going to happen is the government's going to take them all. And then say, okay, you know, go over this account. You still have it, but we're gonna we're gonna make this into like an annuity. But we're gonna disperse money this particular way. Now think about it. This particular system is gonna steal people's money or uh, cash, and they're going to disperse it in an environment where there's gonna be massive amounts of inflation. So what's its purchasing power gonna be? Instead of someone say, hey, I could have cashed this out and bought gold or bought silver or bought some other type of a hard asset. They're going to lose everything, and it's going to. And this is going to be part of the solution, along with this new monetary system. And that's what really, really gets me. And I get a lot of questions about this from my subscribers and people that I talk to. And I, I really think that people need to come up with a way, maybe, that they could either convert their their uh, investment account into maybe like a, a, a silver back or a commodity back. Uh, investment vehicle to just protect themselves because that scenario that I just said just seems so obvious to me because of the, you know, and the global, the central bank. So they're, they're literally going to be able to confiscate accounts that were, you know, supposed to be safe, like a segregated account, yeah. like, like they yeah, did. Absolutely. I've got some insights there, but before we go forward with this, can we yeah. back up and maybe you can explain to people how the hell did we get here? <laughs> you know, it's, what led up to it? You know, it, it, it's a huge process, and I would have to say it, it all started 
we obviously when we were pulled off of a gold standard. But why were we pulled off of that gold standard? We initially we were pulled off the gold standard to fight the Vietnam War. There wasn't enough gold in the system at the time, or it wasn't valued high enough. However, they wanted to work it. So they said, hey, you know what? For a little while, let's go off the gold standard. Let's print money so we could finance the war. And, I mean, obviously this was set up. They, they, the Vietnam War, well, let's just talk about that. How did the United States get involved in the Vietnam War? Well, we were told, what were we told? That the, the Viet Cong attacked one of our warships, right? The USS Maddox. Gulf of Tonkin. Completely false. Exactly. Well, let's think about this. If you were a Viet Cong general, right, and your Navy consisted of antiquated World War II torpedo boats that were bought from the French, this is how this whole thing came about, would you consider attacking a modern destroyer of the United States Navy knowing you'd send your men directly to their deaths? Of course you wouldn't, and it would escalate the war. Why would you want to do that? When you're already in conflict, already in you know in conflict, you want to ex- expand the war. It doesn't make any sense to me. So obviously, like you just said, so we entered the war. We, we we got taken off of our gold standard, and then what happened? Then they established the petrodollar, and that basically cemented the the the, the U.S. dollar as the world's reserve currency, and. That's when people started to lose everything. That's what really got us where we are now. And the system has, has been twisted and corrupted in such a way that the people since that time have been getting robbed more and more and more. Now, that created the debt acquisition cycle, which is now coming to an end. We understand that. And what are they doing about it? I mean, it really, really gets to me, if you, if you really think about it, they tell us, even the mainstream media, We'll sit back and say, we have a European debt crisis, a debt crisis. You'll hear it, bomb, 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 all over the place. But what are they doing to it? They're adding more debt to it. It's unbelievable. They, you see, it's, it, it's, it's mind-boggling that they can come out and say we have a debt problem, and they're trying to solve it with more debt. But what, what people need to realize, and I, I, I talk about this all the time, it's not a liquidity problem. We have too much liquid. But that's the issue. It's, it's, the issue is debt, and they can't do anything about it. And, and there is why they're pressed up against the wall. So this is, goes back to the scenario that I had said just a little while ago. There's no way out of it. There's no nice way out. Either we run the train into the wall, which they're going to do, and then offer us a solution. And even if they were to stop printing money over central banks of the world, which we know they can't do that, because it, it, the moment they stop printing money, the entire house of cards comes down. It's over because we have a debt-based economic model. It's yeah, I mean, it's, like, it, it's like a Ponzi scheme. The minute you can't get the next investor to put his money in, it's over. And as soon as one piece falls, it just comes apart. Absolutely, and that is what will happen overnight. I mean, think about this, and this is something that I think people, again, have a very hard time understanding. Here in the United States, we have to borrow 40% of every dollar we spend. So if we weren't borrowing that money, if more debt wasn't being added, what would happen? What would happen overnight? It would end within hours. It would just be done. So this is why they have to continue to print money, why the Fed has, has now become the lender of the last resort, all the central banks of, of the Western economy are the lenders of last resort. And this is when, this is something I've been talking about for an extremely long time. When this scenario came up, once the central banks become the lenders of last resort, you know we are there at the end, and that's where we are now.
Because we're buying our own debt with our own debt. I mean, that's that's basically what we're doing. We're at a debt exchange. And I, to me, that's actually leading to a point that I've heard you make, that the Federal Reserve is robbing us blind. I believe that was a term you used. What do yeah, you mean by that? Well, I mean, think about it. They're, just every, <laughs> they're printing money like, like it's going out of style. And I always say, because it is going out of style. And I've shown charts to um, my subscribers. Well, I'm going to use that. Lost. They're printing money because it is going out of style. I like that, Greg. <laughs> it's going out of style. And, and the more money that they print, the less your the, 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 the dollars that you're holding become worth, the less purchasing power you have. Meanwhile, well, well, these same institutions are acquiring gold. So the more money that they print, the higher value their gold will become and the less purchasing power every bill has. They don't even believe in their own product. Think about it. The world's central banks are dispersing a product to the masses that they don't believe in. If they did believe in it, they wouldn't be hoarding gold. Yeah, I mean, this year it came out that the central banks, including our own, are buying mm -hmm. annually 10% of the world's gold <laughs> reserves. So, so they're they're filling their vaults with with yellow metal, and they're handing you green paper. Exactly, and Ben says, "Oh, gold isn't money. We hold it for tradition." For tradition, <laughs> for tradition. You know, I do a lot of things for tradition, Greg. I really have meals for tradition. There's beers that I brew out of tradition, but I've never done anything that cost me literally trillions of dollars for tradition's sake. So, you know, I think people. Weakest argument I've ever heard in my life. But you're right. I think he, he told Ron Paul that on the floor of the uh, of the house. Yes, I almost fell over when I heard that. I think most of us watched it live. Uh, I, I was like, I, I actually had a fit. I, I think my wife was like, calm down. I'm like, oh, my God. You know, it's it, it's the – all right, let's back up a minute. Like you just said, first of all, it's the biggest Ponzi scheme in the history of the world. They 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 dispersed their, their product, their, their worthless paper, which is let's, – let's call it what it is. They are unbacked liabilities being dispersed by bankrupt governments. That's what these bills are. And they're pushing this out to everyone – and the moment that those paper or digital or whatever it is bills leaves the Federal Reserve, it begins to acquire interest, interest that's printed, again, out of thin air. If that isn't the definition of a Ponzi scheme, I don't know what is. Then you've got the biggest conflict of interest going on, again, in the history of the world. And that is they're dispersing this paper, and the more of it they, they disperse, the higher the prices of commodities are going to go, gold particularly, they hold. We now know that they're acquiring silver as well. Yep. Silver is, in my opinion, I mean, just real quick for your listeners, is, is the most undervalued asset in the history of the world. And this is where people should be, you know, really looking. People say, hey, Greg, you know, where should I put my money? What should I do with my money? Well, you know what? My, my answer is extremely simple. It's physical silver. And I'm not the, don't, I, I don't like these ETFs. I don't like any of this anymore because that can all be manipulated in the rig, but they can't rig the real thing. The real thing in your hand is the real thing. i got to say something here. Just so everybody knows, uh, up until about two weeks ago, I did not know Greg, and Greg did not know me. You're not hearing us sharing ideas over time. You're hearing the same thing from Greg. You've heard from me over and over again, even though we come from different vantage points. Because we see the problem the same way, I think. Because yeah, you sound exactly. like me, except you got a little yeah. bit more northeastern uh, tone to your voice. 
<laughs> you know what? Here's the thing. Yeah, and a lot of people say that to me. They go, hey, Greg, you know, a lot of people are saying the same thing, and more and more people are coming out. Well, that's because we're able to to understand it. We know how the system works. And that's what I always say. It's very simple to understand these concepts. Once you understand who the main players are and what their agenda is, they now have an agenda. I know it sounds like a conspiracy, but it's really not a conspiracy. If you really weigh things out against each other and you see how this is playing out, we understand that the Federal Reserve just came out again to say, hey, you know what, we're going to start easing again. What does that mean? We're going to start easing. That means they're going to print more money. That means Correct. they're going to devalue the currency even further. They're going to buy bonds, which is already in a, a bubble, along with the debt bubble, and the dollar bubble is bursting. So they're telling you. They're coming out and saying, hey, guys, I'm going to rob you some more. What do you think about that? You're going to watch all your cost of living go down the tone of it. Yeah, yeah. i got one for you here. I want to hear what your take is on this. This is something I just kind of came to in the last couple of weeks. You were talking about them trying to privatize or basically socialize the private retirement accounts, IRAs, 401ks. Yeah, exactly. I think it's already happening, and mm -hmm. it's, people are being led into it. And let me tell you how. There's a couple things I've seen change in the past few years. Number one, back when I had companies and I had employees, the 401k plans that we had, almost to, to every company I ever worked with or for, if an employee decided I need my money, even if they didn't leave their employment, they could cash in their 401k. That's almost non-existent anymore. So that's number one. Number two, it was always the case that there was some sort of a cash value fund, a stable value fund, that if it held any sort of government paper, it was short-term stuff, 90 days or less, mostly a cash fund, and there was a safe haven inside the vehicle. So I was telling people in 2008, get your money out of the market. And they'd say, I have to, I have to liquidate my plan to do that. I'm like, no. just. And more and more people are telling me now, they don't have a cash value fund. The safest, quote-unquote, safest thing in their retirement accounts now are these bond funds that are primarily U.S. Treasury debt and municipal bond debt. So if you create this environment of fear, then you lock down the 401k plan, right? You take away the cash option. You give people the government debt option. Where does the money flow? 10 to 20% in a good day flows into government debt that wouldn't otherwise be there. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, the people are they're using the people's money to turn over the debt because they got to turn this debt over every year, as you know. What do you, what do you say to that? I, I, I think you could not have laid that out in a more better way. I mean, honestly, <laughs> I'm kind of blown away by that. <laughs> I've actually got a couple listeners right now going through data that's been provided from plans to, to determine how much of this is going into government debt, but I think that's exactly what they've done. So instead of seizing the account, they just lead the sheep to the meadow, right, while they shoot them in the back of the head. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I, yes I, I completely agree with everything that you just said. Wow. And I, I think it just goes back to the whole, the whole thing of this. People believe, and I guess it can be thought of in this particular way, that all of this is just so over their head and so complicated that they don't even think about it. It's just, you know, and I think it's done on purpose. And I'm sure you think that as well, that they actually say, hey, you know, just let us handle this. Let us do this. We got it all covered. And people are, I think for the most part, people have good hearts. And they, and, they, and they maybe trust a little too much. And they say, hey, you know, no one's going to look to hurt me. No one's going to steal my money. No one's going to. But meanwhile, all of this is, is literally happening right under their noses. It, 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 it's in plain sight, but no one sees it. And, well, I wouldn't say no one, but a very small percentage of the people see it. 
And we get called crazy when we tell people this stuff. They're like, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. You're not. You're like, no, no, look, there's there's no place. And that's, I think, this train you're talking about. There's no other place for this to go. Trains are on tracks. The tracks lead to a cliff or a wall or whatever you want to call it. And the trains go. You can't stop the train. It's too late. The, the, the tra- you can't turn a train. It goes on the tracks. This is the only place it can go. And you got to know the people that did it knew what they were doing when they did it. They're not stupid people that are doing this. I think that's the other thing. People underestimate their intent. Like they say, well, they're just foolish. They're not foolish. They know exactly what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing way before they, they do it. You know, these these people, I mean, you know, this is what, you know what really gets me? I mean, people always, they go, okay, the crash of 2008, this is what, it was the, it was the people's fault because of the subprime mortgages. You see how they try to twist it? It wasn't the people's fault. These these liar loans, or whatever you want to call them, would have never been able to be <laughs> sold without the, without the knowledge and backing of these huge institutions. Bear Stearns, Lehman Brothers, AIG, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and the list goes on and on. They did this on purpose. There's no doubt about it. I mean, really think about it. They were getting these, these loans. They, they, were, they were packaging them, them together, these mortgage-backed securities, and, and other financial instruments as well that they knew were bad. They knew it. And what did they do? Well, they put them together in these, in these pools, and they allowed investors to pull them out, and then they, they take this debt, and they leverage it to the hilt with derivatives, and they knew exactly how it was going to play out. They did this on purpose because think about it. How much, as you know, there are always two sides of a trade. There's winners and there's losers. And more money is made when an asset falls in value than when it raises, goes higher in value over a shorter period of time. So these, these <laughs> financial masters, I guess if you want to call them that, they were well aware of what they were doing. They were setting this up on purpose. And, you know, what people don't realize is look how many people would take would taking shorts against Lehman Brothers, shorts against Bear Stearns, and I mean billions, hundreds of billions of dollars were made through those shorts. Why doesn't anyone talk about that? Why doesn't anyone talk about it? And who was doing the shorting? It was the other institutions. Bear Stearns and Lehman Brothers were sacrificed for the people because the people on the other side, the other investment banks, need help like bandits more than bandits. It was actual thievery, and what did they do? They blamed it on the people. It had nothing to do with the other right, not nothing. A certain amount, of course, people were vulnerable, but they set this up on purpose. They said, hey, this is an an opportunity of a lifetime. Let's take advantage of it now. And what did they do? I mean, that's really what happened, and I can't stand watching. I don't know if you saw Too Big to Fail, any HBO special, Too Big to Fail. I haven't seen that. I've heard about it, but I haven't seen (laughs) it. Well, you know what? Don't waste your time with it, because I I know some of those people, and that's not the way it went down. (laughs) That is just fluff for the people, and I can't even watch. I watched the show once, and I I said, hey, you know what? Let me see what this is all about. And I was laughing about it. I was watching with my wife saying, that didn't happen. That's not the way this happened. And then they tried to watch it again, and I, I just turned it off because it's a lie. It's yeah, a let me lie. tell you a, qu- a quick story about that. I have a good friend, and I won't name his company, but he's one of the largest mortgage brokers in the state of Texas. Um, uh-huh. Big-time advertiser. If I did say the name of the company, even if you're not from Texas, you'd probably know who they are. And I talked to him as this was all coming up to a head. And I said, you guys are giving people loans, these bad loans, like these, you know, the subprime stuff and all, and these, these other types of loans – And why are you doing this? And he said, let me tell you something. If a person comes to me for a loan and they want a straight up, up and down, 30-year fixed FHA loan, and they're not going to qualify in the current circumstances, 
if there is a loan they will qualify for, and I don't offer it to them, the federal government will shut down my business. I have to offer them whatever they'll qualify for, even if I don't think it's a good idea. And I have to have my people offer them that loan because we're required under equal opportunity to tell them, well, you can't get this, but you can get that. No matter how bad it is, I have to give them the opportunity to take the loan. Yeah. And to me, that just says, that says, and then you were talking about blaming the people. Then the other thing they blamed us for when, when everything crashed, they were blaming us for not spending enough money because people got scared and started to save money. And they said, it's the people's fault because they're being too tight with the purse strings. If they would just spend money, the economy would come back. And that's what they're trying to do now. And just going back to what you were saying before about those, you know, the, the mortgage-backed securities and the derivatives trades, what they were doing, I mean, was literally it, it, it's the biggest form of insider trading, if you think about it, in, in the history of the world. They knew these were malinvestments. And they, would take, they themselves were taking the short end of it. And it still goes on now. Did you, you heard about what happened with Goldman Sachs, right? Not, there, there's no charges, nothing for any of the yeah. wrongdoing that they did during this. I mean, it is unbelievable. And the corruption is just so embedded into the system. And people are not even up in arms about it. And, you know, this is why I, I say in many, many ways, and this is, you know, it sounds... Sounds kind of cold to say this, but I think it's the real, it's the truth. The people that don't get it, and there are people that do get it, and the people that that don't get it, and they won't get it. It's a, it's almost a form of a natural selection because what we're moving toward now, and this is probably one of my main themes and what I try to get across to my subscribers and my readers, is this issue regarding global debt. It's not just a debt problem. It's, a, it's an issue of life and death. And the way I actually put this together for people until they can understand this in the, in the perspective is we've borrowed money, cash, from the future to live a better now, mm-hmm. uh, to live a better life now. Now, if you were to do the same thing and let's say you set up a farm and you wanted to, you know, I don't know, breed farm animals and sell them and you took out a loan and you get all these animals and everything and set up a nice environment for them, and they started to multiply. Now, all of a sudden, you don't have resources anymore because you lost, I know, you lost your job, you can't repay the loan. What's going to happen to those animals? They're going to start to die off because they only, they're not able to access the resources that you were giving them. Now, the same scenario is being set up now. The debt bubble, that is, it, it, it's the most biggest financial bubble in the history of the world. What do we know about financial bubbles? Well, they always simple. bust. That's what we know. That's exactly what we know. But people don't get it. People think this can go on in perpetuity. Once that bubble bursts, people are not going to be able to get the resources they would, just like the scenario I set up here with the farm farm animals. But this is on a much greater scale. We're talking about tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions, on a global level, and they're going to die. This is what really gets me, and this is the base of this whole thing. And It's the greatest threat in the world. It's greater than nuclear war, greater than plagues, disease, is the debt bubble. And when that bursts, it's going to be a life changer for millions of people. And, and, and it's really being fueled right now on with purpose. Think about it. The more mass that they can put into this debt, right, the bigger the crash is going to be and the more wealth transfer there's going to, is going to occur. And there's going to be a two-tier society as we move forward. You can see it now. The middle class is being wiped out. We're yeah. going through a two-tier society again where there's going to be the haves and the have-nots. The middle class 
is a relatively new concept. It only came out about in the Industrial Revolution. And we're going back in time now, and, and, and it's happening right before people's faces, and they don't see it. And that's what drives me crazy. But the debt issue has to really be thought of for what it actually is. It's the greatest threat to humankind. Yeah, let's talk about that. Let's talk about specifically the debt for a second. We're about to top $16 trillion. And I think that the problem actually has been the debt's gotten so ridiculous for so long, like people, like you say, don't get it anymore. What I call it normalcy bias, where people like you and I were going, when the debt was like seven, eight trillion, going, no, no, this is bad, this is bad. And now some people didn't listen then go, well, it's double now and everything's pretty much the same. You guys always say it's too much. But to me, we're turning like a corner, one with a hockey stick here on, on how fast it's increasing, but two, the underlying interest payment, where the underlying interest payment on the debt is going to exceed the Department of Defense in, in less than 10 years. Well, the interest payment already exceeds the entire military budget of China right now. Yes, absolutely. It exceeds every department of government in the United States other than <laughs> Social Security, Medicaid, and Department of Defense. Every other department of government is smaller than the interest payment. And I, I, did a, I wrote a book called The Real Truth About Money, and I put in five departments of government that added up to half of the interest on the debt. And it was like Department mm-hmm. of Justice, Homeland Security. It was ridiculous. It, it, it is ridiculous, and it even gets more ridiculous if you think of it this way. In, 2000, in 2008, the debt was to run around $8.5 trillion. It took 220-something years to get that high. We doubled it in five. Yeah. Again. I mean, that is pretty epic. Now, if you, now, if you go back and look at the debt since, well, I guess since we went off the gold standard, it has doubled every, almost every 10 years. So what's going to happen? So we say from right now to another seven to ten years, it's going to double again, like you just said. We can't pay the interest on it, and that's the issue regarding why the Federal Reserve is easing, 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 is they need to keep these interest rates low. God forbid the bond yields would move up, which they will at one point, because it's going to be the free market that takes over, something I talk about all the time. They can't continue. It's impossible for the central banks of the world, who are obviously very, very powerful, to overcome the free market forces. It can't happen. At one point, it will be the free market that determines fair market value. You know, what is the, we, you know, you and I understand this, but people don't get it. What is the job of the free market? It's the sole job, its only job, is to determine fair market value. And it's not being allowed to do that. It's being manipulated every way possible. And at one point, it's, the free market's gonna say enough is enough, and then that's going to be the end. And that's what, another thing that really gets me, and I've been talking about this for a while now as well, the, this new QE kind of scare investors. They're going to go running for the door. It, and, and I think that that's what we're going to see. That, well, I already talked about how this is, and you probably understand this as well. This is the biggest pump and dump in the history of the world. They reinflated the bubble in equities after the crash of 2008. And how did the Fed do that? Well, they, what the Fed is doing, literally, is front running the market. What I mean by front running the market is they're allowing institutional investors, these big banks, to borrow money at zero. Correct. So what are these big institutions doing? They're taking this money, they're leveraging the debt, and they're investing in equities. They're allowing them to speculate in the market. And that's pushed equities back up, which has been good for some people. They've, they've made some money, they recoup some losses. But if these people aren't shrewd enough to pull out 
For example, what's going to end up happening, and they're already doing this, a lot of these big institutions are already setting up shorts across the board because they realize this is not sustainable and this, this new QE, I do not believe, is going to work. If you look at the effect of QE1, QE2, Operation Twitch, you can see each one is to have a lesser and lesser effect in the market. There's a shorter itself. term, too, of how long they lasted. Exactly. Now, this next one, what are they going to do? What is the Fed going to do? Come out and say, okay, let's, let's print up another, I don't know, $1 trillion, $2 trillion. How many more trillion dollars to devalue the currency? And there's the other issue that's involved in, in this whole entire thing of why it's all going to calm down. All, we understand the dollar is still the reserve currency. It's losing that status. Now, if you were holding dollars, if you were country XYZ, that's holding all these dollars that are being deliberately debased, are you going to continue to hold on to that? Of course you're not. You're going to drop it like, like a hot potato because it's an asset that is losing value. The financial survival, I, another thing I talk about all the time, is based on being proper long-term um, you know, investments. If you're going to hold on to an asset, you know, no matter what it does, if it's going to keep on going down, you're going to lose everything. So these countries are going to dump the dollar. And this is another thing that worries me about the money velocity. There's no money velocity. You understand that. Absolutely. Money velocity, yeah, is the Where amount of... It, Jack, the money's not moving yet. You wait till it freaking moves. When it moves, it is going to blow... Here's my thoughts. You tell me if, if, if you got this right. For a brief moment in time, people will be like, how a freaking Louia, because it, everything exactly. will surge, and that surge is the end. That, that will be yeah. like the last time that they clean the tables off in the casino... And then all the dealers just are going to disappear, and everybody's going to be sitting there looking at a pile of chips. You know, that's amazing that you say that, because I, I, you're one of the few people I've spoken to who actually understand this, that it will play out like that. When the money velocity moves, what does that tell us? That tells us people are dumping the dollar. It's not that the economy is getting better. There are no drivers, and that's something else that – and I'm, I'm sure it affects you as much as it affects me, because it seems like you have a very clear understanding of this. These presidential candidates, and I'm apolitical, I really am, uh, they have no idea of how they can't create jobs because there's no driver. What's no. driving our economy? How can they say we're going to create jobs that are that are sustainable without a driver? And and that they, they they can't tell the people the truth. And that really bothers me because it's keeping people in this brainwashed, indoctrinated, you know, school of you know sheep um, brain pattern, and they're going to get. Crucified because of it. Crucified. Of course, the day you tell the people the truth from that level is the day this all comes apart. Because right now, the only thing holding it together is this false belief. Like, I always say that money is not a thing. Money's an agreement, <laughs> right? As long as you and I agree that there's value in something, it can function as money. But the day the agreement fails, I don't care if it's gold or I don't care what it is. If there's no agreement on it anymore, it's worthless. Absolutely. And, and just going back to the agreement, and I really like the way you put that. So you've got this agreement with these countries that are hoarding dollars, entity, other entities, and governments, corporations, and they're going to start dumping these things. What's going to happen to those dollars? They don't just disappear. They're going to come back here. They come back. They think, and they're going to cause inflation that people have no, even the slightest conception, what it's going to be like. We already have a monetary base that's exploding. And you've got, we're going to have all these dollars that are rushing back here. What is that going to do to the price of everything? Uh, it's it's going to drive it up. It's drive it up exponentially. Uh, and again, it goes back to my theory of resources. People are not going to be able to even go to the store and buy a loaf of bread because it's going to be too expensive. And what are they going to do? 
Once they realize they can't be themselves and their family, they're going to resort to crime. And what is that going to do? It's going to spread into civil war. And that's what's, that's what's really... They know what's going on here. You know it, I know it, and I'm sure most of you listeners are aware of this. This police state that is being set up here in the United States is with purpose. Why do you think the police are being militarized in every state in the union? Why are we being watched? They understand exactly the scenario that you and I are going over right now, and uh, most people have no idea they're going to be blindsided, and there's going to be uh, fighting in the streets like you see in the Middle East. That's what's going to be here in the United States. Yeah, you know, since since I started doing this, I started doing you know shows like the Shot Show and 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 other different shows like that, where you meet a lot of people in law enforcement and you know ATF people, federal marshals, uh, border patrol agents, FBI people, and when you talk to them at first, like I said, do the survival podcast, like you know, like it, I, it, it was real kind of close to the best with that about first because you know they have this idea of you know the crazy survivalist in a bunker somewhere but <laughs> but as i started talking to them I, I learned that most of them were very very receptive and the number one thing i hear is we're preparing too and they don't mean their agency so much they do mean that but when they tell me that they mean my family right like they're preparing on both sides they know their organization's preparing but they also know their organization isn't going to be able to fix it so they're hunkering down and they're putting away a little gold and silver. They're putting away food. They're trying to get a paid off piece of land that they can at least rely on. They're, they're doing the same things I'm telling my listeners to do every day. And they have a better view into this than anybody. Exactly. You know, the other thing is this, and you know, I'm, I'm involved in a lot of projects right now. And some of that is trying to get companies, um, to, position themselves in a way that they don't get fleeced as we move forward and, and their employees don't lose their jobs in other words so they can you know kind of protect it. these big companies they get it believe me they can't they can't say anything they can't come out and say hey guys you know we understand what's going on but even these big institutions are ready for this and they're getting ready for it and it's just the people who are not being told the truth so what can people do? What what can people do to protect themselves? What can companies do to protect themselves? Because it, it's not good no matter what you do, but there's got to be some things you can do yeah. to mitigate it. You know, exactly. Well, the, the first order of business is survival, the title of your podcast here. And so what people need to do, first and foremost, before they even dream about trying to protect themselves from a financial standpoint, is they need to have, an, and this is at a minimum, and maybe you, you can have a better insight into this than I do, because my forte is more finance, but the, they need to have enough food for at least six months, access to water for the same amount of time, shelter, obviously. People, you know, a, a way to protect yourself as well. I mean, I believe there's going to be pandemonium in the streets, and people are probably going to have to hunker down or, or bug out or something for a short amount of time, maybe six months, I mean, maybe longer. I don't know. Who knows how long this will last? Uh, and, and who knows what the authorities are going to do? Who knows what actions they're going to take against the people? I did a video a while back, literally pleading to the members of the armed services. I'm an, I'm an, I was an officer in the United States Navy Reserve, and I, I, I appealed to them as a brother in arms. I said, do not, you know, <laughs> take action against the people just because you're under orders. You know, you're, you're allowed as a soldier to ignore an order that is immoral. 
And, and I think that people need to, you know, people are so indoctrinated into that, even in the military. Look at what's going on with these Occupy Wall Street things. They, they, they're, they're, they're taking people that are uh, protesting in a peaceful manner, and they're treating them like, you know, they're, they're criminals. But meanwhile, John Corzon and all these other guys can get away with it murder, with, yep. with literally raping people financially, and that's okay. That's okay. And that's what scares me, is because where where is that going to go? But if you think about it, at one point they're going to say, "Hey, I can't feed my family either." You know, maybe these guys have 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 it right, and maybe they'll start joining in with the people against the establishment. And this have you heard of Oath Keepers, Greg? Who? Oath Keepers? No. That's that's an organization you need to look up when we get off the air. Um, I'm good friends with the founder, Stuart Rhodes. He's also a former Army officer. Yeah. And uh, he uh, he put together Oath Keepers, and it is specifically for what you're talking about. It is this, it yeah, is right? a group of people that say we will, and it's for law enforcement, military, prior prior service, and active duty. We will yeah. follow our oath, which means we will not do the things that you're talking about. Um, and, awesome. and what gets no me idea. is like I've talked to some law enforcement officers that say, well, uh, they'll never do that. I said, then why wouldn't you say that you wouldn't do that? You know what I mean? Why why wouldn't you reaffirm your oath publicly? If you're not worried about them doing it, you know, because what you're talking about with the military is not only are you permitted to disobey an immoral or unlawful order, you're actually, you know, it may be lip service, but you're trained to, you're expected to. If you're given an immoral or an unlawful order and you follow it and you end up in a court of military justice and you go, but my, my sergeant or my lieutenant told me to do it and it's reasonable that you should have abstained, that doesn't work. That only following orders crap only takes you so far. Exactly, 100%. So, yeah, you got to look them up, man. I think, you'd, I think you'd love the work that they're doing. Definitely. And, like, you know, like we're just going back to what you were saying before, you know, so with regard to the whole thing, you know, and, and with financial survival, you know, is it, to hold the hard assets, is to, you know, get out of the paper game and start acquiring hard assets. Uh, again, I'm the, probably the biggest silver ad gift out here and uh, I, because I think it's – Super undervalued. Even at today's prices, it should be over $150 an ounce. And there's no doubt about it. In, in my book, The Politics of Money, I lay out a scenario where, where gold will go to $8,000 an ounce or better, and silver is going to go between three dollars and $500,000 an ounce. So think about the, 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 the wealth protection you'll have. And, you know, where is that going to take you? Well, you're holding it. You're actually why do people why are people holding gold? Why are central banks holding gold? Because they're really betting against currency. That's how you really have to think about it. You understand that currency is dying. It's literally like having a short position against currency by holding gold and silver. I always think about things along those terms because that's how my brain works. Yeah. <laughs> but, but that's really the truth. <laughs> You're holding the short end well, of gold you... of, 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 of uh, excuse me of currency. If you were at the track, you know, the racetrack, and you saw a yeah. jockey standing in line at the ticket window, and he was betting on the race he was going to be in and betting against his horse, you wouldn't turn around and bet on that horse. Right? <laughs> I mean, you would have to be pretty – but that's what everybody's doing. Like, the, all the banks wow. are out there stocking up gold and then mm -hmm. telling you to take their paper money, and then people go, okay, that's what I'm going to do. And I think the reason people are doing it is – most of the people right now are so on the knife edge anyway, they're not able to save much at all anyway. They, they need the currency just to pay the bills today, to, to pay for food today, to pay for their car payment, to pay for their gas payment, what have you. I know, and I, 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 that, that pains me to hear that. But think about this as well. You are also aware that the United States is 
the biggest debtor nation in the history of the world. Right. So what, does that, what does that mean? It's, it's citizens are the biggest debtors in the history of the world. And that, that kills me. It really does. As a matter of fact, I dedicated an entire section of my book to tell people how they can get out of debt legally and the easiest possible way to do it. Forget about these commercials on TV. Forget about all the nonsense the ads you see. They're going to capitalize on your debt. This is a way that you can do it by yourself and get yourself debt-free the quickest possible way. And it's all part of the money game. It's all part of the money game. Keeping people in debt keeps them as literal slaves. <laughs> I swear to God, guys, he's never heard of me before. <laughs> yeah, it's just... It's just awesome. No, I've never heard of it. Yeah, it I know, but yeah, because you understand what's going on. Yeah. And a lot of people just, you know, we all see the same thing. People that understand the game all see the same thing. Whether you're, I don't know, Ron Paul, or whether you're some, you know, a, a 16-year-old kid who just has, has his eyes open. Uh, you see, hey, look what's going on, everyone. And it's time to act now. You can't if you were, were if you were sitting on an IRA right now, because I get this question every day, would you liquidate uh, it? Would you pay the penalties, liquidate it, and 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 put it into something hard and and not sit with it there, or would you would you you know would you wait longer before you did that? What would what would you do? You know, that's well for me. It's you have to really put this into perspective and, and say, okay, what is really right for that person? Can they can they deal with it? What do I think they should do? I think the answer is pretty obvious: is try to you know acquire hard assets with every way and take the hit. But I'm not saying people should do that because some people can't can't handle that, and they're they're and I'm not saying that they're they're going to lose their money anyway because they are. But I don't know. Um, I, I get the same question all the time from people, and it's very difficult to answer. Because so it's very difficult for me to say do it for somebody else, right? I mean, yeah, uh, it, 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 it's it, a lot it, of responsibility to tell. And I'm like, I'm not a financial advisor. That's not my bag. Yeah. I'm just telling you the situation, and you got to make your own choices. But like the other, the people I feel really bad for right now, the ones that are telling me I want to liquidate it, but it's a 401k, and I can't do it if I keep my job. And and that's part of this hostage holding. I think that like it's been quietly implemented. Let's get rid of the cash option. Let's put people into bonds as a safe option, and let's hold their freaking retirement hostage. Because if people get scared and start bailing, well, that's going to drive the market down too. That's mm-hmm. about it. They're going to end up doing that. You know, I just have to say, I think the easiest and the most basic, simple solution to a problem is always the best. And that would be okay if you realize that there is a problem. And you're willing to say, hey, you know what, I know I'm going to lose some money, but I'm going to make it up by holding hard assets while we, unfortunately, watch currency die. Maybe that'll put it into a different kind of a perspective for people on an individual basis. Some people, no matter what, they're not going to, they're not going to get it. And that's really what, you know, it's just a terrible thing to, to really say, hey, you know, these people that have worked so hard and sweat every day to, to go out there and earn these pieces of paper, these unbacked liabilities, you know, and and they have hope and they have faith in it and they're going to watch it all disappear. It's a horrible, disheartening thing and I think people are going to suffer mentally, physically, and every possible way because of it, because of this, the scheme is over. The jig is up, the game is rigged, and it's, it's, it's ending. We are in, like you said before, we are on a nice edge and we're closer to the end game than we've ever been before. And every day brings us closer to that end game. See, for me right now, and this is why I think it's kind of difficult to 
that, you know, this is what people should do because this is, I don't, you know, people like you and I and, and who are all aware of the situation, it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. But the people that really don't know yet, and maybe by the time they'll wake up, it'll be too late, you know, they, they, they just are going to have a very, very hard time saying, hey, you know what, if I do this, if I pull out of my IRA, my 401k, I'm going to take a big hit. And they won't be able to live with it. And it's different for corporations. I mean, because all this stuff gets written off. I mean, basically, yeah. that's what I what, what I'm doing now. The projects I'm involved in now involve corporate corporate money, where their where their assets are allocated, and how they can protect themselves as we move forward. And like I was saying, these these companies, they get it. They they're sitting back, and you know, they their CFO isn't going to come out and say, hey, you know what? I think we have a problem. And you know, what's going to happen to the shareholders? Don't they go running for the door? They can't say that. Sure they? So can. what do they do? They absolutely. Well, don't. of course. Yeah, I, you know they they could, but what would that do? Uh, it'll I mean, kill their it'll just, kill their stock price and it'll create panic. But but I think what you know, and I always I always say this. I think people for the most part have a good heart and they want they want you know people to succeed. They don't want their employees to lose their jobs, uh, and, and they understand that the, the survival of their companies is dependent on the people, and if they all get fleeced then their companies aren't going to survive. So I think this is why companies out there now are really trying to get themselves geared up towards, towards doing it. As a matter of fact, I actually put out a video, and I offered my services for free to a nonprofit organization. I said, if you have a nonprofit organization and you're worried about where your, your assets may be allocated, just give me a call. I will talk to you about it because that's how important I think it is. And obviously on a time basis, I would do this for free to pay for people because I, again, it goes back to my premise is we're all responsible for each other. And if we don't do something about it while we can, we're going to wish we did. So is there a solution? I mean, I guess there's some personal solutions, individual solutions, but is there a way to fix the problem at the macro level or is it too late? I mean, if everybody in charge decided they actually didn't want this to happen, is the train too far gone? Well, there is going to be an impact of this train one type or the other, and uh, unfortunately, they're going to drive it into the wall. And what is the solution to this? Well, <clears throat> the solution is, is, is very basic, and it's actually very simple, but it's, it's going to be a, 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 life, a life changer for, for people, and this is really what we need a leader who will come out and say these things. We need to understand that as, as these debt-based economic models are, are dying, and we need to move to, instead of a consuming based or consumer, where we consume, consume, consume a based economy, we need to move to a, an economy that produces things, that makes things, and people save. You know, it, it's completely polar opposite of what we have now, and that's why it's going to be so dramatic for people. And this is going to happen. We, the, we understand that you cannot consume in perpetuity and borrow in perpetuity. There's going to be either, it has to switch. How did China become the world's second economy, the second largest economy? By doing exactly what I just said. They produce things and they save. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the balance sheets and you, you look at it this way, like today, the U.S. is considered the wealthiest nation in the world because we have the most debt. The day this happens, China becomes the wealthiest nation in the world because they have the least debt and the most assets. China so is, yeah. They're at the over. bottom of the list. They'll go to the top. The list will just flip. 
Yeah, and the, the, the Chinese are very shrewd people. They understand them. I've known many, known many, many Chinese investors and traders and finance people throughout the years, and they get it. These people are willing to sit back and wait. What they're doing, and I, another thing I talk about all the time, is they're watching their quote-unquote enemy, the United States, because we have the reserve currency, make mistake after mistake, and they don't, they're not going to intervene. Why would they intervene when their, again, enemy is making mistakes? Because they want the world's reserve currency, and they're going to get it. They're, they're, it's a cycle. China is going to take over, and that's what scares me as well. Think about it. We fought war after war after war to protect the petrodollar. The petrodollar is dying. Saudi Arabia and China right now are building the biggest oil refinery in the history of the world. I think it's supposed to come online in 2014 or something like that. So the petrodollar is being threatened already. That's going to lead to war. Well, there's already nations trading their own currencies, trading gold for oil. There's the, the petrodollar is already being ignored by by a lot of countries. It absolutely is, and that goes back to to Ben believing that people are always going to want want to hold dollars. People are always going to want his bonds, and they're not going to. They're already dollar is losing its status as a reserve currency. Ben is it almost seems deliberate, causing a a, a supply and demand issue with regard to dollars. In other words, he's he's distorting the balance between the dollars that are out there and the ones that are needed. And every time throughout history that this has happened has led to massive and hyperinflation. It's going to be epic what we're marching into because it's either lack of vision or it's just being driven by political motive, which is more than likely the truth. I mean, yeah. all, these, all these people are concerned with, you know it, I know, is getting well, in office. Well, it doesn't, office, it doesn't care take a genius people. to figure out that since the Fed is made up of the banks and the banks are holding the other side of the equation, that they can destroy it on the front side and profit on the back side. I mean, it's it, 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 when you said it's, it's almost like it's on pur- purpose, the first thing I thought was, of course it is. You know, know. there is no better explanation. It's, it's, it's hard even for, I think, you and I to accept that. Right, because you just exactly. you don't want to believe that. But when you really look at it, you go, "Of course it is." There's no other explanation. Exactly. So what do we do? What do we do? We emulate the banks. We become our own central bank. That's my theme. Become your own central bank. Give, give, give them back their paper and acquire physical gold, physical silver. Do what they do, and you'll get through this. If you don't, you're going down like the Titanic. And I think that one of the things you said earlier that's very important for people to take away from this, yeah, do that, but but make sure you can take care of yourself for six months as well okay. because there will be a time. People say this all the time. Well, Jack, if if everything's in crisis like you say it's going to be and you have an ounce of silver and, and people don't have any food, who's going to want your silver? And well, for a time, maybe nobody. But eventually the market rebuilds. People create commerce. It's what we do so there has to be this, this stopgap measure of I can look after myself, my family, and my community until we get through this first crash. Because there's going to be a crash. There's no other word for it. <laughs> yes, epic crash. Epic so crash. you mentioned and, you your know, book a couple times. What's, what's the name of your book? Oh, The Politics of Money. The Politics of Money. And do you have like a website and – what have you? Um, yeah, yeah. It's at GregoryManarino.com. Right now, the that book is only available on Lulu.com. It's going to be available globally, but I have no idea when it's going to come out there. Probably another three to four months. And uh, you know, if people want an advanced copy, just go to Lulu.com and um, put in my name, Gregory Manarino, and the book will come up. You can actually cool. look through it. And you can read some of it the way I have it set up. 
Cool, and I'll put links in the show notes today so people can find it really easily, and uh, then your YouTube channel as well. And folks, I'm going to tell you, um, I bring people on all the time to have a YouTube channel. I say, yeah, they got a channel, and we put a link. I'm going to tell you, go subscribe uh, to Greg's channel. Look at some of his past videos because it's very seldom that I look at somebody out there that's in this space and go, they really, truly get it. I've had I've had my, my good friend Mike Gazer on before. I think Mike is one of the most switched on financial people I've ever met, but I think that there's this last piece of it, maybe he just doesn't want to get it because he's so vested in it that he doesn't want to really, really accept. And I, I think Greg completely accepts it and is basically screaming from the rafters, here it comes. So, Greg, thank you for the work that you're doing, man. Uh, thank you too, man, honestly. Now, folks, with that, this has been Jack Spierko along with uh, Greg Manorino helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Sometimes we forget we are what we eat. I don't know the answer. It's like there's nothing I can do. It's the price we pay, I guess, when we follow all the rules. There's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way. Nobody up there cares